Today on the No City on the Sideline Dab podcast, episode number 124. Hey, do you know your air quality in your house probably could be making you sick? Do you know that um, black spot in the shower, like you know, in the corner when you, when you clean the shower, that mold? That might be bad for you. Today, my guest, Jason Earl, a man on a mission, indoor air crusader, and the founder of CEO of 1-800-GOT-MOLD. Today we're going to talk about mold, air quality, and how it affects your life. Next on the podcast, let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. And I want to thank you for being here. And this is your first time. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. I know as a dad and a parent, this is being an adult nowadays. We're just busy, 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 busy. So you do spend time listening. means a lot to me. I'm glad you're here. And if this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I'm a parent, a dad, a single dad. I'm a divorced dad. And a man who's trying to figure things out one day at a time. And I'm not an expert. I Well, I'm a dad. I mean, I don't know if that makes me an expert or anything like that, but um, but it makes me an expert trying to figure things out and being curious and trying to think of things and do the best I can for myself and my son. Just like you, trying to figure this out one day at a time. It's like the intro, journey of discovery. I think so every day being a dad and being a parent, it is kind of like a journey of discovery. <laughs> I'm... I'm still learning. After all these years, I'm still learning, just like you. Next up, my guest, Jason Earl, the founder of 1-800-GOT-MOLD. Jason's, Jason's great, great guy to talk to. We had a great conversation. He's a hardworking father, and he's sharing about his struggles with his health issues growing up due to mold and other related issues. Also, the challenge of Luna's mother at age 14. I mean, that's that's a challenge in itself. And also, you share the story about leading him to drop out of school, work at a gas station, and break a Guinness record. Yes, a Guinness record. I, Hey, I don't have any of those. I have some ribbons from high school, maybe something I learned in middle school. I, I mean, I came in second place in cross country or something like that, but I don't have a Guinness record. Jason's been performing investigation for mold and being a mold detective and also being the world's mold detective in the last 20 years. He helps thousands of people uncover their mold issues and air quality issues in the house. Me and Jason had a great conversation, and I know a lot of the information will be very helpful. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thank you, Joe. Good to be here. You know what's funny? I like the intro questions. It's kind of fun, actually. And you set a Guinness record, and that I think that's a way good way to start off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's it, that was uh, an accident uh, that uh, um, that yeah. You know, when I look back at it now, it seems so, somewhat hard to believe. Uh, still, even to this day. So I am uh, forty five now. I I happened to when I was uh, well. Let me see. Let me. Where do I begin on this one? So. I had a series of, of challenging events happen starting around the age of 13. I mean, quite frankly, my childhood in general was, had its challenges. My parents had, uh, had a, a very 
tumultuous relationship and there was a lot of booze, a lot of alcoholism and all that stuff. So it was very dysfunctional. My parents separated when I was about 12. Uh, and I'll get back to that because it's, it, it gets into how I got into the mold industry. But uh, uh, at 14, my mom uh, committed suicide. And then uh, a year later, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And uh, really the Lyme, uh, the symptoms were, were relatively mild. And then the antibiotics came in and, uh, and the antibiotics just, just wrecked me. It's like 30 pills a day for three days on and three days off. And it was this thing called like pulse therapy. Um, and it was just debilitating. I would miss a ton of school and I was already a recalcitrant teenager. And so I really didn't want to be there <laughs> anyway, but, uh, they, they, they called me into, uh, the office and, uh, it, it was, uh, January of my junior year. And they, uh, they told me that I had violated the attendance policy. And of course it was, there was no written attendance policy. They were, they really wanted me to make a decision. And, uh, and essentially they said that I was going to have to either stay and repeat, stay and continue the year and finish the year and then come back and repeat my junior year or otherwise drop out. Long, long story short, uh, I ended up being basically forced to drop out and I ended up taking a job at the gas station, which I was already, I was already working part-time. I took full-time hours there. And, uh, and while I was working, I, and I was, in, I was really enjoying it. I'd actually con- convinced my father to sign me out because I told him that I was going to buck the system, get my GED, start college a year early and, um, and, uh, revenge with success essentially, you know? Uh, and so the bottom line is, uh, I, I pitched the gas station owner the same thing and she, and she gave me part-time hour, a, a full-time hour so I could save money for college. But while I was there within, a, within about two months of my full-time position, uh, a guy came in with a flat tire on his, on his BMW. And he was in a big rush and he told me he wanted me to put some air in his tire. And, uh, I, I, I said, listen, if I, if I fill it with air, it'll be flat again in a few minutes shortly thereafter. So if you give me a few minutes, I can, I can maybe patch it for you. And he's like, if, if you could do it quickly, there's money in it for you. So I said, okay. So he pulls around to, to where the, the air pump was and I could see the nail sticking out. So I patched it and filled it with air and said five bucks. And he slapped some cash in my hand and drove away. And, uh, I looked at my hand, it was a $50 bill. So, and I, at the time, you know, I was 16. I, I thought he'd made a mistake, you know? <laughs> uh, and so I figured he was going to come back, but he did not come back. In fact, two weeks later, I saw him uh, for the first time and I approached him and I said, Hey, mister, I don't know if you remember me, but you know, I was the kid that fixed your tire. He's like, yeah, kid, Jason, he remembered my name, which was, uh, which was amazing. I mean, it's like the first rule in how to friend when friends influence people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he, he ended up uh, saying, Hey, listen, kid, you know, you, you did me a solid and I said, I feel like I owe you a favor. Or did you make a mistake? He's like, he's like, what do you mean? I said, it was a $5 repair. He said, he gave me a 50. He goes, I didn't have a hundred. <laughs> and so I said, listen, I feel like I owe you a favor. He goes, no, if anything, I owe you a favor. And I said, what, what do you do for a living? He said, I work on wall street. And I said, uh, well, how about get me a job? And he said, call me by 9am tomorrow or don't ever bother calling me at all. So he said, grab a pen. So I started writing down my number on his, his number on my hand because I didn't have a piece of paper and he started laughing. And he goes, you're going to fit right in. He rolled up his sleeve. He had stock quotes written all over his arm. And um, so I went home and I called my father what happened. And, and he, he couldn't believe it. But he said, you know, you better call him. So I did. And uh, 9 a.m. I called him up and and uh, and we went through an exchange that that was pretty memorable. He said, what are you doing today? I said, I'm going to work. He said, where? And I said, gas station. He's like, wrong answer, kid. And I said, all right, can we do that again? He said, he said, what are you doing today? And I said, he said, I said, going to work. He said, where? And I said, what's your address? And uh, he said, 88 Pine Street, 10th floor. And click. So I was like, wow. I called in sick. I called into work and said, I, I, I've got a, an opportunity here that I need to pursue. And, uh, and I put on my finest pair of jeans for my Wall Street interview. Uh, <laughs> Button down shirt for my father and, um, and flip flop my way up to Wall Street. Up to, I li- we lived in a little town outside of uh, 
Princeton, about an hour away by train. And uh, lo and behold, uh, he gave me an opportunity. He took me under his wing and he trained me. He, he made me his, uh, his protege. And, you know, there's a long story attached to that, but I ended up uh, accidentally becoming the youngest licensed stockbroker in history. And that's where I got the Guinness World Record at 17 years old. I totally didn't even realize at the time. There were a lot of other younger people there, but I, I was the youngest for sure. Uh, <laughs> that's how that all happened. And from there, I mean, really, it was, I, I did that for nine years. I had a, a really great career and I, I, I left when the dot-com bubble burst and I owned my own firm for a couple of years. But I always struggled with purpose, Joe. The, the biggest issue with Wall Street for me was I was raised with a, uh, the idea that your, your efforts should contribute to the greater good. My mom was a nurse and she, she was the director of nursing at a, a rehab center. And, and I, I was encouraged to volunteer and weekends and things like that. And so it was, to, we, we, we had a service oriented uh, household. At least I was encouraged to, to think that way. We had rescued animals all the time. And that was a big part of my childhood. And that's something I hope to impress upon my, my two boys is that, that perpetual, you know, uh, attention to, to the needs of others, really not at the, not at your own expense, but really as a, as a, as a way to contribute um, to, to the richness of others and to, and to, and to help alleviate suffering whenever possible. It's interesting. I brought you on tonight. It was talking about mold and mold and how it affected your life as growing up. And I, I found it fascinating because you said you were um, six six five brochures. You were um, not. You were diagnosed with that, but it, it was it wasn't the correct diagnosis. Yeah, my, it was a. So I I when, when they brought me to the I was four years old. I'd lost thirty percent of my body weight in about a three week period, as I'm told. Um, I was there, but I, I my memory is kind of foggy. <laughs> and, uh, and so they, they, as I'm told, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty abrupt. Um, and I was having difficulty breathing. And, uh, so the, the pediatrician said, uh, actually you should take him to children's hospital. So they took me directly to children's hospital, which was about an hour away children's hospital, of Philadelphia, which is a renowned, uh, respiratory clinic for kids, respiratory NECA. Um, anyway, uh, we, uh, uh, they, they brought me there and the first diagnosis was cystic fibrosis, I think predominantly driven by my family history. Uh, my dad had four cousins who died of CF before the age of 14. And so um, this, they, they waited six weeks uh, for a second opinion, uh, which was that I didn't have cystic fibrosis, evidenced by the fact that I sit here at 45 years old, because back then mm -hmm. that was really a death sentence. Um, and uh, rather I had asthma compounded by pneumonia and uh, one of my early memories actually is being put in this papoose. It's like a, like a straight jacket for toddlers. I wish I had one actually um, mm -hmm. for now, but you know, be, you know, they, they would expose your back and draw a grid and then put these antigens on your back and, and, and assess the, the, uh, the response. And my dad said that I looked like a ladybug, uh, big red <laughs> dots all over, you know? And so I was essentially allergic to everything that they tested me for. Um, it was easier for them to tell me what I wasn't allergic to than rather what I was. Um, and so it was grass, wheat, corn, eggs, dogs, cats, cotton, soybeans. And I was grew up on a small non-working farm and where we were surrounded by grass, wheat, corn, dogs, <laughs> cats, soybeans, everything. Cotton. I mean, my clothes were, were, were a source of great irritation, my sheets and things like that. And so um, it was, it was, it was challenging, but when I, when I was, and I, and I remember the, the basement being, you know, a, a source of not discomfort, but feeling a little bit weird down there, maybe a little bit, uh, a little more of a, a weight on my chest. Uh, so I spent a lot of time outside and, uh, and didn't really think about it at all. Uh, but it was funny when I was in Hawaii and I had this epiphany and I thought, geez, I wonder if mold had made me sick. What was the underlying cause? I called my dad from the payphone and talk about parenting. I call my father from the payphone, which probably isn't there anymore. You know, I don't know how many payphones are there. Uh, and he said, I said, listen, I, I just read the story about this guy who got sick from mold. Do you think my uh, 
respiratory stuff as a kid was was caused by that right i said do you think we had mold? actually i said do you think do you think we had mold and he goes Jeez, we had mushrooms in the basement of course we had mold. <laughs> he, he laughed at me and i said do you think it was it was a uh, causal do you think it was it's something that might have caused my my illness and he's like well it didn't help and but just to think there wasn't even a resource for him even if he wanted to do something about it there was really nothing that they were going to do there wasn't an awareness there was no internet to, to research these things there was no such thing as a mold inspection company or a mold remediation company or a mold test kit or any of that stuff right those resources were not available and such that i mean information was just didn't travel that my parents were both smokers with an asthmatic kid uh, and they would smoke with the windows up in the car and that was normal back then, right? I mean, it was just a whole different level of awareness that's, you know, now they'd be brought up on charges for stuff like that. And they were just doing the best that they could. It was like air quality. I remember my mom, my mom and my stepdad, they were smoking, they rolled the cars up. I can tell that, and, and this is pretty bad. You can tell that when the cigarette was kind of um, not, not that good, not like it was moldy or something. Some, you can tell after a while, you can tell the smell of it going, that's a bad cigarette. That's not a good one. You shouldn't be smoking that. But the air quality and, and the house and stuff like that with dust and everything. When I was younger, I used to have a lot of problem breathing. And my mom was notorious for um, smoking and thinking she can cover it up with potpourri. And that was like napalm. And then your eyes are watering and stuff like that going, all right, the air quality is horrible in here. There's so much dust. I go get a, I get an allergy test, and I'm allergic to everything known to mankind. And when it comes to allergy and dust and dust mites and stuff like that, I move out and I live on my own. I'm like... I, I feel normal now. What's that's the different feeling? Yeah, it's a big deal. Indoor air quality is if you look at the statistics, they're they're kind of shocking. Very few people talk about this, uh, but we spend ninety percent of our time indoors, and, and in and in and in extreme climates like Dubai or or you know Canada, uh, northern Canada, people spend sometimes as much as ninety nine percent of the time indoors. And, and if you include transportation, you know the number's high. And and we're so busy. Everyone's so busy talking about outdoor air quality and outdoor air pollution and all this stuff. And we have no, almost no control over you. Whatever you do, no matter how bad it is, no matter how much your car pollutes, you're barely going to make a dent in that thing. And if you stop polluting, you're still not going to make a dent in it. But your indoor air quality is a place where you have a lot of control. And the crazy part about it is, is that if you look at the statistics, mold and poor indoor air quality are the underlying causes of some of the most prevalent long-term illnesses in America. And I'm talking like chronic sinusitis, which is 37 million Americans, 11% of the population, oh, wow. is a mold issue, according to Mayo Clinic. Um, 24.6 million cases of asthma in, in America, and about a quarter of those are mold and dampness related, according to the EPA and Berkeley Labs, which is 4.6 million people. Uh, and uh, you know the numbers are just staggering. You add them all up between property damage uh, and, and, and these illnesses, uh, not to mention that there's correlations between mold and dampness indoors and depression, which is pretty fascinating. Oh, wow. uh, and there's interesting research that shows that the chemical compounds that make that musty odor actually do cause changes in brain chemistry, uh, evidenced by some research done at Rutgers University with a friend of mine named Joan Bennett, Dr. Joan Bennett. Um, and so she showed that fruit flies exposed to these to these the, the musty odor uh, actually stop making dopamine and they stop reproducing and they do all sorts of very they develop par par Parkinson-like symptoms. Uh, and so there's some interesting research on, on exposure to mold and how it impacts our, our, our overall quality of life. But there's no doubt that it also affects you cognitively. Uh, so people live in a musty odor, don't think well, they don't learn well, they, they tend to have emotional outbursts, mold rage is an actual thing. And this is very poorly understood, and it's, and it's obviously not widely understood. And what's interesting about it is that we have also this dynamic that we're constantly rebreathing the same air. So if you have a pollutant in your house, even if it's a small one, 
you're constantly being re-exposed to it. And so it's very important that people take action when they find something, uh, when, they, when, they, when they start to notice that there's any signs of dampness, uh, any, any, whether they be visual. So if you see something, smell something, or feel something, it's very important that you take action because your indoor environment impacts you probably as much as the food that you eat in, oh, well. in terms of your overall health. It's interesting too. I never thought about that in the air quality stuff. <clears throat> I like have, I see some people have air filters in filters in the house and stuff for filtration. And, um, and they, they, it seems really, really good. Some of the symptoms though, like different types of illness, you said depression, that's interesting. Cognitive ability. And um, what are some like, what are some signs in the house? If we're going to look around the house today and, and what are the some of the signs that you would think about when I'm looking for mold? Sure. So that's the, the first thing is people always ask, you know, what, 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 how do I know if I have a mold problem or what, what, what am I looking for? And it really comes down to if you see something, smell something or feel something. So when, if you see something that would be clearly any evidence of dampness, right? So that mm -hmm. would be, you know, condensation on windows and any, any staining leaks, any evidence of peeling or, or, or blistering paint or trim might be pulling away. Uh, you know, any, any, any evidence of dampness uh, whatsoever, clearly liquid water is, is, is an issue. And the thing about seeing something is that if you see water or if water event occurs, you have 24 to 48 hours to dry it thoroughly. Otherwise it becomes a mold problem. Water damage is very cheap to fix. You rip it out, you dry it out. You wait 48 hours, it becomes a mold problem, very expensive, requiring professional assistance. You can, you can save yourself. It's literally $0 to starting at, you know, four figures and, and up. And so uh, the bottom line is that it, when, if you see something, uh, smell something or feel something, do something. But most importantly, if there's any water event, you want to act very quickly. Uh, the other things that you want to look for um, are uh, in terms of uh, is, is odor. So if you smell something, uh, the musty odor is pretty distinctive. Very few people uh, uh, don't can't can't can identify <laughs> that. I think I, I really do think it's an evolutionary pro, uh, line of code because mm -hmm. it's the first sign of decay, uh, and 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 it's something that is is it's you know I think we're programmed to know that that's not a good smell. Um, and in fact, in people who are sensitive, that can trigger an entire immune response. So some people can uh, some people can you know have asthma attacks just based upon exposure to the musty odor. But that musty odor is the byproduct of mold digesting. So that means basically these are mold farts. Uh, <laughs> so the mold mold produces enzymes on when it, when it land when the spores land on what it's going to grow on, the water comes in and and uh, and given enough time, the, the spores will germinate like little seeds, and they send out these roots called hyphae, which release these enzymes to digest, just like we digest with with digestive acids in our stomach. They do it on the outside. And in a brilliant way, by the way, they've got this entire library of enzymes. It's very simple, single cells, uh, and they, depending upon what they're on, they can they can digest pretty much anything they want. Um, but there's a specific recipe or a specific menu rather that mold really likes to to eat from, and that happens to be building materials and modern American homes. <laughs> <laughs> Sheetrock is like caviar, uh, and so if you give it enough moisture, moisture is the only thing that you need to worry about with a mold problem uh, in terms of prevention. Um, because a mold problem is a moisture problem. Um, and so that's, so see something, any evidence of moisture, smell something. If you have a musty odor, seek out the source of it, seek out the source of the moisture and fix that. And then lastly, if you feel something, uh, and when I say feel something, this is where it gets a little nebulous because, um, you know, if you, if you have any sort of upper respiratory, any, any sort of uh, headaches, nausea, dizziness, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, 
especially any of those symptoms that abate when you leave the building, you may want to get an inspection or have your house uh, tested. Um, testing is a bit, a bit difficult and getting an inspection done is a bit difficult. We could talk about that a little bit um, because whether you choose to hire a professional or do it yourself test kit or, or try to get a free inspection can really change the outcome quite significantly. Well, before we talk about the testing, you know, getting the tests and stuff like that, is there any way to clean it? Is like like bleach work or does like um, any like chemicals and stuff that could help take care of the mold problem? Well, so actually, this is a very common uh, question, and it's actually one of the myths that I love to, to debunk. Um, bleach is the most common. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's the, it's the can't we just get a bucket of bleach and just wipe it off? Come on, mold schmold, right? This is mm-hmm. what my grandfather would have done. And it's what they, you know, it's just, that's, but it's actually, uh, again, one of those very counterintuitive things. Uh, mold is caused by excess moisture, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and, and by the way, mold likes to eat dead mold too. So mold remediation and mold cleanup, is that really about removing mold? Um, and removing the source of the moisture so that it doesn't proliferate. Um, and because by removing the mold, you're also reducing exposure. But people love to use bleach because it does two things. It makes the surface clean, look clean. It smells clean. And Americans are obsessed with the smell of, of what they call clean. Um, meanwhile, clean doesn't have an odor, by the way. It has <laughs> a scent. It does, it's not clean. Uh, and, uh, and, and so when you apply bleach to a uh, to a mold problem, what you've done is made it invisible. You've, you've actually bleached it, leaving behind dead mold and also leaving behind a damp substrate, a damp material. Uh, and so uh, bleach is 97% water and 3% sodium hypochlorite or, or chlorine. And, uh, and, and so that evaporates very quickly, leaving behind water. And so yeah. you've just added water to a water problem. You just basically added gasoline to a fire. And so this is one of the most common things that people do is they'll use a chemical that's water-based to kill mold, which doesn't need to be killed, that needs to be removed. And so one of the things that I advocate is a green clean, mold remediation, mold removal, unless you're cleaning a hard surface. Now, there's an exception. So mold is not, all, 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 all mold is not created equal in terms of how it grows. If you've got a porous surface like sheetrock, carpet, carpet padding, ceiling tiles, clothing, upholstered furniture, anything porous and absorptive or organic, if those things are affected by mold, they should be thrown away. Mm-hmm. If the re- remaining surfaces that are not water damage affected, mold and mold affected, or, uh, or, or where there's any sort of uh, significant damage can be cleaned. And they clean them using HEPA filtered vacuum cleaners to capture all of the, the, the dust so it doesn't redistribute it. And damp wipes without any chemicals. That's the way a proper remediation is done. Now, is it easy to find? Most chemi- most contractors like to use chemicals because it's fast and, it, and it's and that's what people expect. So and so they can go in there, charge a lot of money, do a lot less work, and ultimately people don't complain because that's what they expect. But a, a, a mold remediation is about removing the mold, cleaning the, the the mess that was made by the mold, but most importantly, fixing the underlying water problem or moisture problem or humidity problem that caused it in the first place. Was interesting too. I had the movies get further in both the testing and stuff like that. Is it's like I, I like making pitches of iced tea, pitches of iced tea, cold water, and when it gets done, I leave it in the refrigerator for a long time. Say I'm just drinking water, and I didn't get back to the iced tea for a couple of days. And um, I clean, I clean the pitcher. I had to throw the pitcher out, but all of a sudden I got mold inside the pitcher. That's in, I just I was why that why does it build up like that? I was kind of curious. Well, you know, it's a lot like when you go to the to the uh, to the lake. Mm-hmm. 
and you sit on the on the shore and you see how the 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 beach kind of goes down into the you know the, the shoreline goes down to the water and as you go down the further you go down the 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 organisms get sort of larger and larger and larger right but right at the right at the edge where the water laps against the the edge you have incredible diversity of little creatures that are there that are just having a great time eating all the little stuff and then the little bigger stuff eats those guys and then it's like you know it's like that nursery rhyme you know <laughs> and and so so that we're at the edge where moisture meets the air it, there's a remarkable amount of activity it's like the ocean surface is where almost all the good stuff is happening right <laughs> it's where all the plankton is generating oxygen literally half the world's oxygen is being generated by blue-green algae in the ocean. But all that photosynthesis, everyone thought for, for, for a long time, it was just trees. And it was a big epiphany when they realized the oceans are breathing, exhaling oxygen. So anyway, the point is that right along where that iced tea uh, comes up, you've got a shoreline there. And what really happens is, the, is that you've got organic molecules. What I mean by organic is tea mm -hmm. particles. And they will accumulate right there at the edge and they'll, they'll dry off and that's the food. They're not eating, they're eating the dried little tea bits around the, the, the edge it's like it's like sediment around the periphery of the of the uh it's actually fascinating i mean it's a strange thing but once the, i i find mold and these kinds of things fascinating because whether you go telescopically or microscopically the beauty of these things if you can get past the revulsion or the <laughs> the, the aversion of this thing because you it's it, it's you know maybe it's it's not it smells fun but the, the 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 incredible complexity of it all and the consistency of it see mold is a fact of life you need to know how to deal with this stuff. It's up there with death and taxes. In fact, it's more reliable than death and taxes because we might overcome one of those one day. Um, but 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 we're not going to overcome mold. I can assure you of that. I'm never looking at my my picture of tea ever again the same. I might be looking at going another with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of microbiological opportunities in your refrigerator. So uh, you know, don't get me started. <laughs> I'm just oh man. I think I'm gonna get myself a metal iced tea uh, pitcher now instead of a, a plastic one I've been using for a long time. Yeah, it's interesting too about testing and stuff like that. Um, is it expensive to get test testing for mold? Yeah, no, it, it is, and it's um, and again, it's you know I, I'm in the mold business, but I always tell people if you can if you can prevent this or if you can act quickly enough that you can avoid having to deal with the mold problem. So, like I said, if you have a moisture issue or a, or a water event, act quickly. You want to call and don't hesitate, call the insurance company, get the people to come dry out the carpet and all that stuff as quickly as you can. But if you do not get to it in time and you see something or you smell something or you feel something and you want to get checked out because it's a microscopic organism. I mean, the bottom line is you're not going to be able to do this with the naked eye. That's why we use microscopes. In mm -hmm. And so uh, you want to have your house tested for mold. You've got a, 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 a spectrum of options. Uh, and on the low cost side, you've got the typical low quality things that you might find at the Home Depot checkout or Lowe's where you've got these Petri dishes. Uh, they're called settling plates. They're scientifically invalid, but they, but people buy them. They will always be positive. They, so you, you, you will, you will get a good dose of fear and scientifically invalid data, but uh, it will confirm that there is mold in the environment. Uh, basically you could do the same thing with a piece of damp white bread. <laughs> That's right? interesting. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, you've got professionals. So you're going to charge a thousand or more for a professional inspection which includes taking air samples. Those air samples are analyzed by a third-party laboratory where they're looking for spore counts. In some cases, people are sampling for the, must, for the odors and the VOs and the chemicals. Um, but in any case, any, any reputable inspector who does not do remediation, this is a key piece, 
a non-conflict, an independent inspector that does not have a conflict of interest that has to charge for an inspection. People love to get free inspections. Guess what? <laughs> that's a sales. That's a sales call. That's not an inspection. If you want to have a proper inspection, you need to be prepared to pay for that. Um, right in the middle, there are a couple of products. We want, one of ours is one of those is ours, which uses the professional quality and the and the professional tools and devices. Uh, the Gottmold Test Kit uses exactly the same tools and devices the professionals use, but you don't get the professional um, air sampling uh, using spore traps, uh, and it, it does exactly what it sounds like. We capture spores in these cassettes, which get analyzed by a third-party laboratory. Our kits uh, start at 149, allowing you to test up to three rooms: one room, 149, uh, 199 for two rooms, and uh, um, 249 for three rooms. And then once you have the kit, you can also keep the pump, and you can. Uh, uh, reorder supply so you can test again for a discount. Um, and so the idea behind that is really not to replace a professional because we're not in the business of trying to, 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 to be all things to everybody, but really to offer a cost-effective first step. See, I started the mold inspection business, 1-800-GOT-MOLD, back 20 years ago because I had this realization that mold inspection contractors were not, mold remediation contractors were not doing the right thing. And I wanted to help be the, the sort of, you know, the, the, advocate for consumers to help them navigate mold problems and kind of protect them from the contractors, quite frankly. And, and, but I realized my parents couldn't have afforded to hire my company. And so <laughs> that always bothered me. And so the mold test kit for me, it, we created that because I realized we were unable to, to, to help the people who really needed this the most. The people who needed mold inspections couldn't, the most couldn't afford them. We, we feel that, that tens of thousands of those calls over the last 20 years. And uh, so the mold, so got mold test kit is really designed to make indoor air quality, something that's that's accessible to all people uh, so they can get the data they need to make better decisions about their air without it being budget busting. Well, it's interesting, before I forget to ask, because I know that you, there was a dog involved. There's a dog that can actually, I thought that was really cool. There's a dog can sniff out mold. I know they have dogs that can do all kinds of things now, different with their nose, smell different things like, you know, all kinds of material. But mold, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, so when I got back from Hawaii, uh, I, I took a job uh, keep my eyes. I just left Wall Street, right? So I took a. I I I, heard, I found out about a company that was in uh, in in our area that was doing basement waterproofing and mold remediation, and I took a job there to learn from the ground up. Uh, and uh, and I remember them saying, "What was your last job?" And he just couldn't understand what I was doing there. And so anyway, I was there for a few months, and I saw behind the curtain and realized that again, consumers are not being taken care of. And so when I started my inspection business, it was actually inspired by the discovery of mold detection dogs. These dogs <laughs> were so inspiring to me because I I had dogs as a kid, uh, and I they could they could find anything. And uh, and I found out about this found out about this guy who trained lots of different kinds of dogs, uh, bomb dogs and drug dogs and cancer dog, epilepsy. He he really a fascinating guy, and he's he's got dogs for just about everything. And he had just trained the first mold dog, and I heard about this, and I flew down and I met met him and I brought the dog back up. Didn't even have a company yet. Oh, wow. uh, and, uh, and, but I, as soon as, as soon as we got in, uh, as soon as we got to town, I started offering free inspections to, to people who had been our basement waterproofing customers. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, channel six action news heard about it. And they sent out a truck to try to debunk us. And uh, <laughs> they hit, they hid mold in the house and, and we found it in three minutes. And instead of debunking us, they endorsed us. And suddenly I had to set up a phone number and an LLC. I literally, the business kind of grew underneath me. And so, uh, so Oreo and I, Oreo is my mold dog. Um, she and I uh, did thousands and thousands of inspections together. Uh, the, the work that we did was, was what put us on Good Morning America, uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, 
uh, Dr. Oz, you know, hundreds of newspapers and magazines. She's, she's in a few books on working dogs. She's in a college biology textbook. I mean, Oreo honestly was the, was the mask. She was, I played second fiddle to her. Uh, it was the best, best 12 years of my life before I had kids. Honestly, uh, it was, and that actually, you know, more than, more than anything else, being, having a, a working dog, um, taught me how to be a good dad. Okay. Truly. That makes sense. Because you learn the discipline, you learn what, what you learn how to develop that. Um, you realize that dogs like little kids. If you get, if you, if you, if you establish boundaries and you stay strong on them, uh, they'll respect you. Uh, if you, if, if you're wishy-washy, they won't, uh, dogs know how to snip out the sucker. So do little kids and, (laughs) and you give them an inch and they'll take a mile. I mean, there's just like, it's you have to be super consistent with kids. Um, they, they, they thrive in an environment where they know where the boundaries are and they know that you've got their back and, and dogs are the same way we're pack animals and dogs do this thing. So instinctively, they want to be by your side, just like little kids do. Uh, and if you give them that, 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 that foundational, um, uh, uh, if you if you're the alpha, but that loving, compassionate alpha, boy, you've got a loyal mate, you know. Uh, but the moment you're wishy-washy, boy, that 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 that, that creates a, a sense of doubt that I think has a huge impact on kids, and I, for sure, uh, it, it it loses the respect of our four-legged friend. But um, anyway, that that was that was the, one of the best experiences of my life, and we did a lot of really great work. Thank you for bringing that up, Joe. Well, I was kind of curious. Well, can you any stories that you guys were on like on some kind of visits? with um, an inspection for mold or hunting for mold, any stories you can share? Sure. I mean, I have so many stories. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things about uh, our process was that we would show up and I'd sit down at the, at the kitchen table uh, with the, with the customer before we'd had, we'd had a phone call uh, or they'd, they'd have spoken with someone at the office. And so we'd have some background, but then I'd sit at the table uh, and people would always say, where's your dog? Where's your dog? And I, she's in the truck and, you know, she's resting. And so we'd leave the truck with heat and air conditioning for her, mm-hmm. depending upon the season. And, uh, and w- w- people always wanted us to just like show up at the front door with the dog. And that's not what we did. Instead, what we would do is do this fact finding. And then we'd go upstairs, do, go do an inspection in a very methodical way. We'd start in the basement and we'd go all the way up in a clockwise manner. And I'd be taking, you know, all this uh, making note of, of, of all the observations and, and potential recommendations. And then and while I'm doing this, also looking for, for areas where there might be a hazard that we'd have to, to, to either, you know, exclude from the inspection that area, or we'd have to uh, rectify it so we can proceed safely. And, uh, and then I go in and I put all the tools away and I go get the dog, go get Oreo. And we do, we go back to the house and we go to the basement and we work our way up in a clockwise fashion. It was very fast or Oreo could do a 5,000 square foot house in, in like under 10 minutes. Oh, wow. I mean, every single, every single nook and cranny, right? She was a pro. Uh, so, but we always had the same pattern and we would go straight down to the basement and we'd go to the furthest corner and we'd do this pattern. And that way we knew we'd covered the bases, right? So this one particular house, we, we walk up and after I'd put the tools away and walk up with her and ready to go. And they open up the door and she takes me for a beeline straight up the stairs. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're going, we're going to break protocol here. And so this is the first time she had done that. And she took me all the way through it. And it was a beeline right back to the master bedroom and then through a closet with a whole bunch of boxes in it. And she weaves into the back and she moves a bunch of stuff out of the, out of the <laughs> way. And she sits with all these jackets and all this, all these clothes over. You can't even see her. She's completely hidden by all the clothes and she's alerting on the wall. And the way she alerted was that uh, she, it was a passive alert. Uh, they wouldn't scratch the wall. She would, she would touch it with her nose. So, and so oftentimes she would leave a little wet spot, which is where we would mark with a, t- a sticker. We literally put a sticker right where the wet spot was and we would drill holes to inspect 
what was there. We take an air sample out. So anyway, what in this particular case, then she she pulls away and she takes me down the stairs all the way to the basement and starts where we normally start. And then we went all the way back up and she, she alerted one. again in the same spot uh, because she got paid by with a food treat every single time. So she 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 didn't she was she was not too proud to ask for a treat twice for the same alert. <laughs> and and so and then we'd finish and then she'd say, we're done. And then she would take me to the front door. And that was what we did. She knew her job, right? But what was amazing about this time was that she knew that, the, and I went back and we tested all these areas. And lo and behold, the biggest mold problem that house had, in fact, it was the mold problem of that house, was hidden in an area behind those clothes in the back of that closet in an area completely inaccessible any other way. There was no way I would have ever seen that. There was no way I would have ever detected that. And it was right behind that woman's bed. Uh, oh, wow. And she was sleeping in it and she was sick. And when that, when that, when that was remediated, finally, uh, uh, the woman got better. The whole family healed. Um, I mean, it's just really, th these kinds of stories were, were not uncommon. The point was, is that Oreo was the only tool I've ever used that actually learned. And that she, she took over, uh, she took a, a leadership position in that. She, she said, <laughs> no, this is where you need to look. She knew her job. She knew what she was there for. Uh, and that was so inspiring. And so we, we had this, it was just really, you saw something come out. I, I've had a lot of dogs, but when, when you work with a dog and a dog has a job, uh, they, they take pride. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relationship that I encourage anybody who's, who, who likes animals to, to consider. Uh, you will never regret it. It was just fun. I, I want to, cause I was curious cause you hear about all kinds of dog working dogs and that's awesome. I mean, I'm glad that, um, in the relationship, they say dogs are man's best friends. I've never had a dog, but I met, I know, I, I'm, I know people who have dogs and they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. Dogs are my favorite people. <laughs> they're always loving. And they, no matter what, and even mad at them, they still look at you and they, and they give me some lovings, give me some lovings, pat me on the head. <laughs> they're so consistent. We could learn a lot uh, about dogs, uh, learn, learn a lot about how to be better humans through dogs. Uh, I have a, uh, a sticker, uh, that I, that I, uh, that I, uh, stumbled across the other day and it said, try, you should be the person that your dog thinks you are. <laughs> That's awesome. Try to be the person, try to be the person that your dog thinks you are. Yeah. Well, wrapping up final thoughts about anything about mold and something about anything you want to leave with. Uh, listen, I, I, I think one of the, one of the, the, the uh, ideas that I try to leave people with is, is we tend to look at the buildings that we live and work in as these boxes that we store our stuff and that we move between. And there's these, just these, these structures. And, and if you really look at it, the buildings that we live and work in are actually an extension of our immune system. It's an exoskin or an exoskeleton. In fact, I mean, think about it. Shelter is one of the four basic human needs. And within shelter, you've also got air. So it's actually two out of the four, if you think about it. So, but, but this is something that's, I bring that to your attention and it's, it's a surprise to you. I can see the look on your face because yeah. it's something you just haven't looked at. And the reason that's the case is because like most things that we're so close to, like relationships in some cases, the things that we're closest to are the things we most take for granted. But air, you know, the, the, the rules of three in the military, right? You can go three minutes without air. What is it? Three days without water <laughs> and three weeks without food. And, and, you know, you, you look at this and but you, people forget about that three minutes without air. You know, and, and so we're very far sighted as a, as a species. We tend to worry about the problems in the other area. You know, we, we don't, we're not looking at the, 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 the biggest threat to your health is hiding right underneath your nose. And the building that you're in is actually supposed to support your health. And if, it's, if there's something wrong with your building and it's impacting your health, 
the interesting part about this is that you have a, a relationship with that building where if the building develops aches and pains, think about it like an organism, mm-hmm. and it's, it starts to develop mold. The signal that you're getting, much like inflammation in the body, that there's something wrong in the building is, that, is the musty smell, is, that, is the mold. And so when that building gets sick, you get sick. And then when you, the building gets better, you get better. You actually have a symbiotic relationship with your building. This is not a, a static box where we live in. This is a relationship uh, like, 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 we, like a hermit crab has a shell. You wouldn't be able to survive without it. Uh, and yet I try to bring attention to this potential, you know, a new form of relationship, a new awareness about that relationship. You know, you turn your house into your into your home because your home is your health. That's what I want to leave people with. And it's one of the few things you can do in this world because where you have real control, we have very little control over our lives in, if you're honest with yourself. But when it comes to your indoor air quality, it's the greatest gift you can give your family is to learn more about that and do the things you need to do, which means if you see something, smell something or feel something, do something, get yourself good air purifiers, HEPA filtered air cleaners, put them everywhere. Um, and if you want... We've got, we put a, a welcome page for all of your listeners mm-hmm. um, uh, at gotmold.com uh, slash no sidelines dads. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll be in the show. I'll and, make sure that links in the show notes. And, and what we'll do there for your listeners is we've got a 10% uh, coupon code there for te- mold test kits through gotmold.com um, and also a free ebook. It's a 45 page. Uh, ebook that's filled with inspection checklists and, and a lot of the things that we just talked about today in terms of things to look out for, things to be aware of, uh, as well as uh, resources in terms of air purifiers and any other kinds of equipment that you could uh, take a look at. We don't sell those things. These are we're, we're agnostic. Uh, what we're more concerned about is that people uh, just think about these things a little bit differently and then take action when they see a problem. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you much for the um, the link from the show notes, and also thank you much for being on the podcast today. You gave me a new perspective about my my place where i live i never really thought of that i take it for granted and i really do i really appreciate the news perspective that's the word i'm looking for i really appreciate your time jason thank you all links will be in the show notes for this episode i really appreciate your time sir thank you joe wrapping up this episode i want to thank jason for being a guest on the podcast you can find more about him over at gotmold.com you find also you can find links for this show over at no sitting on the sideline.com slash one, two, four. All the things we talked about will be in the show notes for this episode. You can also find more about me at no sitting on the sideline.com slash contact. Hey, leave a message, comment, send an email, say hello. Love to hear from you. Also, I want to thank Jason for putting together a free resource for you. Talk about all the things we talked about in this episode about air quality, mold, and stuff like that. Go to gotmold.com slash sideline. If you can find that link in the show notes, it's a free resource to talk about air quality, um, all about mold, some things you can do about mold, some test kits and stuff like that. Um, if you're really interested to go further about this, because your real quality is important. It really is. Also, I want to thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Tell them much you love them. Reach out to a friend. Say hello. How are things going? Because you know what? Sometimes somebody just needs near. Say so just assume that they know that you care. Until next time, take care. God bless. See ya.